now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, PJ Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Welcome to episode two of No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement. This is a show, as uh, Malcolm mentioned, comics, movies, pop culture, and everything else in between, uh, music as well. Uh, last week, we dived into all kinds and said we were going to set up something for this week, and we're getting into a little bit later on, which is Shazam, the movie, and the comic. Because that's he's my guy. I'm actually wearing a Shazam t-shirt today. I was going to mention that. Were this filmed, you would see that BJ is in a Shazam shirt. And that's like... Uh, Old school Shazam. It's a Silver Age type yeah. deal you're doing there. Yeah, so that way I felt like if I was going to rail on Shazam, I would feel better if I was wearing a Shazam shirt as I did it, because it you would know it comes from a place of love. So there's your tease. BJ's going to rail on Shazam coming up here yeah. in just a few minutes. DC needs to take some notes. That's who needs to be listening to this podcast this week. Uh, but DC had a big week, and you sure. should be excited for some of this. And, and the DC news was all movie-related. And I think what they're doing is setting, them, setting themselves up to be... Now, like Marvel, when it comes to what Marvel is doing movie-wise. Well, they only had to lose a couple billion dollars for this to finally happen, right? And I shouldn't say lose. They're profitable, and they always make money. But as far as box office revenue and take, not just in this country, but worldwide, they have suffered compared to what Marvel's done. Not just Disney, but, you know, the Sony stuff as well. But Affleck is out. Affleck's going to be out. All right, so we can go with that first. And uh, what they're saying from casting is that they're looking for a younger Batman. And when I say younger, in my mind, that means 30 years old. 25 to 35 is what I've been kind of seeing on the internet. Right. And then uh, you brought up in the pre-show deal that it's going to be the great detective. That's what we're going to get. That's And that's the deal. Matt Reeves is going to direct it. And he's excited. It's going to be called The Batman. Yep. So I, I guess I'm all right with that. Uh, I'm 100% cool with that. We've never had a movie... Where Batman is the Detective Comics I love version. that part. Just title-wise, the Batman. That's a long-standing title in in the DC Batman comic world, though. You know yeah. that. Yeah, I know. But just I feel like once you take it to the screen, you got to change it for the layperson. The lowest common denominator. Now, I know the Batman is about as low as common denominator as it gets. But I feel like it should be, even if it's, you know, or even if it's Batman, the world's greatest detective. What if that was your slug line or something to go with that? So maybe they're going to dress it up a little bit later on. That's fair, too. But we don't even have... Do we have a release? We do, yeah. So uh, The Batman is going to be coming out June 25th of 2021. So not next year, but the following year. So yeah. here's here's what I'm hoping. Now, one place where Marvel has had great success with all these movies, they have picked some comic storyline... And have written the screenplay around it. Right, yeah. So think Walking Dead television, right? Yep. Like we sort of start the same way, mm-hmm. but then we're going to have to deviate. Why? Sure. Because it's a theatrical project. There right. has to be things that you won't find in print. With that said, the Batman lends, that title lends itself to picking from a lot of different comics. What do you want to see? Well, we know they're doing a rogue gallery. Right. So we know they're going to have a, a variety of criminals in there. I don't know if I know enough of the old school Batman stuff to pick a storyline because I've really just gotten him in, into him over the last like five years. I missed Court of Owls, but I went back and I read it. I, I trade paperback to that. I don't know if the I don't know if the regular audience, if you just start with a Court of Owls, 
or do you need to or if you jump into something else you can't do the you can't do the killing joke or any of that stuff we're getting court of owls the video game okay from um rocksteady that's the developer that makes that and we are we already have the animated movie right i don't yeah. think that they're going to do that you know as far as to reboot batman yeah uh, if you will because it's going to have a noir take too Right. So you got it. You got to figure who who jumps into that. Your villains can be. Uh, they've talked about Penguin potentially because Josh Gad is friends with Matt uh, with Matt Reeves, who's directing the movie. Matt Reeves is the co-creator of Felicity, right? And so you know that you know Batman's going to be good. She was smoking hot, so yeah. there's that. Yeah, uh, and, and so he also did uh, Cloverfield because yeah. J.J. Abrams was also part of Felicity, and so Cloverfield was Matt Reeves' big directorial thing, and he did the two of the Planet of the Apes movies. So we know he can do a big CGI film and make it compelling. Like those movies are great. The, the Planet of the Apes movies are phenomenal. Yeah, like they're top notch. But what I was thinking, because you did mention that there's a bit of a a noir thing that they're trying to do yep. and they're making batman younger mm -hmm. frank miller's year one well so year one has come up a whole lot right. the problem with it is you can't be the world's greatest detective in year one no you're right and i understand that entirely but i'm thinking uh year one is four comics how, year one is four comics i don't know i didn't, I, I didn't get it i own it uh, but yeah. it's I, I think that's four comics but year one ends and then that story just sort of went away. So that's the origin story that is, you know, in the modern comic book world is believed to be the Batman origin story. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's not even an origin story. It's a... This is first year. Right. So what I'm saying is like a year two type scenario. Because there's something about year one and zero year, which uh, Snyder did in New 52. Mm -hmm. It's called, you know, year one or zero year, but there's no way that those events take course over the course of one year. Zero year that Scott Snyder did, which was a great Riddler story. If you never got that, you got to check that out. Yeah. I love it. I don't think it's like super popular. But anyways, Batman was, I can't remember, but he was in a coma or something. And I think that was three or four year period in which Riddler was taking over Gotham. Yeah. Now this is super deep, nerdy type, you know, we're getting way into the, the meat of the thing here. Yeah. But you don't have to chronologically, you know, follow the actual timeline. Yeah. I, I do think if you wanted to do the world's greatest detective like they're talking about, I think the Riddler is a perfect example of it. Dead on. Because you got a guy who, for just, you know, face value of his name, is the Riddler, something you have to figure out almost every time he speaks. So you got to be pretty smart to figure out what the next thing is. And so you you could do something with him, team him up with some other people and and let that, you know, let him go to town. But I would love to see, you know, some cool like Bourne identity action cuz I think those Jason Bourne movies do some of the like regular person stuff better like kicking ass better than anybody. Now you're getting close to what I'm after too. I think you're going in the same direction. Gadgets equipment yeah lucius fox like that whole time but realistic i want not a hundred percent realistic we know that the the little the the gun that shoots the grappling thing oh yeah we know that's not technically they've done a cool job with it in the past but realistic stuff like uh on my new show we just showed a story on there's a real bolo now it, it looks like a taser 
where you would press it and the prongs go shooting out and you electrocute somebody with it. Instead, it looks just like that. When you fire it, it literally fires a swinging bolo that wraps around whoever you shoot it at. You grab around their arms, their legs, and it works. Like, people are using this thing. Like, that's the stuff I want to see. Right. Because that's real life. Have you seen the video of the things that the cops are trying? I think it's in Texas or something, and it looks like a cargo net. No. They can shoot it from the front. Oh, yes, I have seen that. And it grabs the rear tires, and it can, like, rip the axle out. Like, it it just stops cars in their spot. I have not seen that. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Okay, I'm down. I don't need detective vision where his eyes go blue, and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Legend of Bagger Vance, uh, when you start to see the lines. (laughs) Right. I get that to a certain degree. So, like, that I'm excited about. Uh, And we'll circle back around here in a second as to to who we think should play the new Batman. So start thinking on that. Uh, Two other things of news came out. The one we can just kind of gloss right over because it's straight up going to be for kids. And I'm going to assume in the vein of of the life of pets, the secret life of pets, uh, they're doing DC Super Pets. So that's Crypto. It's whatever the bat dog's name is. Is it bat dog? You know what's awesome about this? Uh, I think it is bat dog. But you know what the great part is? I have a three-year-old. Yeah. Excuse to go. Yes, you'll because it's coming out in 2021 as well. All three of the movies we're talking about are 2021. So that's going to be May 21st. And it's just going to be an animated, fun family film. I'm down with that. Like, I, I think that's going to be fine. Hopefully they do a, a cool-looking like it doesn't have to be CGI, but you know some of the cartoons where it looks like a like a Wreck-It Ralph. That would be super cool, right? Or they could swing it into like you know, Edge of Spider Verse uh, with with my what was it called Into the Multiverse? Into, yeah, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, um, like that looked super cool. Yeah. Like that was a game changer. Put it something like that. I I've got a 15 year old and an 11 year old. When that comes out, my daughter will be uh, almost 17, and my son will be a teenager. I'll be the guy. You know what? It'll it'll be uh, me. It'll be Uncle BJ, and then you, and we'll take your daughter. Yeah, that's fair. And that'll enough. be our excuse to go to that. So we'll gloss over that one. But the Suicide Squad is also we have the Batman, and now we have the Suicide Squad, which is going to be. We don't know if it's a part two, or what's we we really don't know how it's going to go down. We know it's going to be drastically different than the original. It needs to be. And James Gunn is doing it. That's the guy who can make that awesome. He's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Did you like Guardians? I love Guardians. Okay. And, uh, you know, I have all the Guardians comics and all that stuff. Suicide Squad is going to have to be literally torn down and rebuilt. Yeah, if they're saying it'll me. be nothing like what we saw before. That was a terrible film. I don't know if I'd give it terrible. It's like I, if it's on cable, I'll watch it. You know, I've got nothing else to do. I'm not going to turn it off. Just like with Justice League, I pick up Justice League in the Steppenwolf scene at the very, very end when Superman comes to like comes to like kick ass. So like for 15 minutes, that's the good section of that movie. You really you like it? The Justice League? Yeah. I've seen it probably in bits and pieces probably 20 times. Completely, I've seen it probably five times. We're on a different page. And and here's why. I have terrible taste in movies. Terrible. The movie I've seen more in my life than any other movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. I've seen that movie fully over 50 times. That's a bad, bad movie. It, uh, and bad meaning, not bad being bad, but bad meaning good. Yeah, you mean... That's a Run DMC reference. Yes, I know. You you mean more times than you've seen like Ghostbusters or Back to the Future Absolutely. Or, or Crocodile Dundee? Absolutely. Or... Yeah, I, I literally have seen it over 50 times. 
And I haven't seen, and, and to give you perspective on that, I have not seen that movie in about 10 years. Because it's just never on. You shouldn't be allowed to talk about movies. Uh, uh, certainly into a microphone. That should not be allowed. Yeah, like I won't watch, the, like I've seen The Notebook, great comedy. Uh, I've seen, um, you know, I've seen some of those movies that win awards, but that's just not my cup of tea. Like I just, I, I won't call it a waste, but I saw a movie this week called, I believe it's called The Terrifier, if I'm getting it right. All you have to do is, if you're curious about it, you just Google Art the Clown. And this movie is a, not even a B-rated, like, not a B-rated, not even a B-horror movie, but like a C-horror movie. Super gratuitous violence. Slasher film. It is a slasher film. and But it's like gratuitous violence, and there is some nudity in it. Um, but, like, my man takes a hacksaw and has a woman strung upside down and just starts, and just starts ha- with a hacksaw sawing her in half. To give you perspective on this movie... I didn't watch all of it. It's on Netflix, by the way. What I did was, uh, you know when you press to the right of your remote, the boxes pop up and oh, you, yeah. can, you can see the scene? So I just started, I just started <laughs> skipping ahead until I saw action or like, oh, here's Art the Clown again, play to see how he would creatively kill these people. And this movie apparently, like the guy's super creepy. So Art the Clown, creepster, straight up. Uh, but he uses a gun in this movie. And so I saw an article afterwards. I was just like trying to find out about this movie. And they're saying when you're doing a slasher film, you can't do that. Jason never used a gun. Michael Myers never used a gun. Freddy never used a gun. Uh, you just don't do that. Leatherface isn't like, oh, my you know, chainsaw's out of gas. That's cool. I'm packing heat. But this guy shot somebody. And then he was getting his ass kicked and then shot this chick in the leg. And then goes back and proceeds to shoot her numerous times in the face. What's the name of the film? The Terror Fire. I'm almost positive that's it. Oh, uh, oh, if, if you just Google Art the Clown, you will, you will see this movie. And it's on Netflix right now. And, and so that's, that's what I'm saying here. Is that's a, it's not a great film by any stretch. But I took the time and I watched it. Do you remember when they were making Suicide Squad and they were starting to release who was being cast as who mm-hmm. and, you know, the Will Smith thing pops yeah. up, and then there's Jared Leto, yeah. and everybody thought that that was going to be, because I was one of those people, I was like, oh, Jared Leto, he can do weird stuff, Requiem for a Dream, he can really, he's like a, he's like a Greenwich Village-based indie rocker Daniel Day-Lewis. You know okay, I'll give you that, yeah. Okay, yeah. is that fair? And he does do like Daniel Day to where he, he's in the character almost all the time. The entire time. And so I'm like, oh, super cool. And then there's the teeth and like the tattoos and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just so different. Yeah. That I, re- I was, you know, I had bad taste in my mouth before I even went in. Now, yeah. the reason for that is, and I think we talked about this last week with something else. The source material mm-hmm. is almost perfect. Yeah. Why deviate from the source material? And that's the problem that DC has had. Yeah. I think for them, they're just trying to do something fresh and different. They've had the Joker two other times. Both times, uh, you know, something's up with the scarring. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholson got drafted into that vat and had the, the, the real goofy kind of Joker smile. Still great. <laughs> still great. Uh, and then you know, Heath Ledger almost set the bar where you shouldn't do it again. Like, I love Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. Most people do, as, and it's usually, well, there's been three of them so far, usually people give that one number one. I'm so terrible. I think the, the, they've done such, such a better job in the animated stuff. Like Mark Hamill, 
Yeah, well, Mark Hamill's the the voice of the Joker that he does is the best, right? Because like, if there's something haunting about it, you don't even have to see it to like really get what I have an idea of what this guy looks like without even having to see a picture. That's because I believe that he has mastered what a lot of people envision the Joker would sound like from the source material. Sure, yeah, I'll give you that. But then we have another Joker movie coming out too. Oh yeah, which. Like the initial Jared Leto thing, yeah, I feel good about it. I think, I mean, it's Joaquin Phoenix. Right. And it's called The Joker. So, so far, we have three DC films. I'm surprised it's not the DC Super Pets. Uh, but, and so Joaquin, we haven't, we've seen him with makeup on, but not what the Joker necessarily right. is going to look like that we know of. Or maybe this is... You know, because this isn't going to be canon. This isn't going to be a part of the DC universe. This is just a separate film that they just are just going to put out. As if you did a, maybe you do Flashpoint, you know, for DC, and you just say, hey, look, this is just a Flashpoint movie with time travel and, and all this, like, you know, split timelines and all that. This is not going to affect anything in the regular DC universe. You could do that if you wanted to. Well, the better question is, can a villain carry a movie? Uh, Venom? But Venom was was good in that movie. He was the anti-hero. Joker's never been the anti-hero. There's occasions where he's had to team up for, for his own good with various people. My point is, the Venom movie mm-hmm. was made for one reason, right? Make money. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> namely, yes. Yes. But to bring Venom to Spider-Man. Hopefully so. I'll bet it. That's, they, that's the reason. But they, the, the, the way they did it, though, they, they can only bring him in as a hero. They can't bring him in as a villain now. So you can't get the original Eddie Brock, Spider, you know, Peter Parker kind of battling it out. What you do is you have to, you'll get Peter Parker Venom against Carnage. You'll get the Eddie Brock of today. Because now Venom's not an anti-hero, I mean, not a bad guy anymore. He's just a straight-up good guy. Right. So I think because the way they did that Venom movie, then you have to have him as a as an ally of Spider-Man. Yeah, but it's a symbiote thing, and then they can rewrite that story pretty easily too. Yeah, but then you lose you lose sequels. That's that's the thing. Then you don't get a Venom two, because now he is bad. You're not going to go watch him be bad. You're going to watch him be. Kind of bad, but good. But either way, you you still get him into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Right? That's the goal here, right? Everybody wants to see Venom and Spider-Man in a movie together that's not Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Okay? Like, we all want to see that. But... Worst movie ever. There is no information regarding this Joaquin Phoenix Joker ever crossing over into a Batman film. Yeah, no, because it's not. That's right. It's a standalone one-off. Yeah. I don't know if a villain can carry a film in that regard. Yeah, I, I don't because since we don't know the story, it's it's hard to tell. But if it's, I think if it's compelling enough, people will go see it. Who is Marvel's greatest movie villain? Is it Thanos? I think it has to be now. Prior to Thanos, who was it? Well, it was still Thanos because Thanos is the one that gave Loki the scepter and started the events of Avengers. Oh, right. So I was going to say Loki. If Prior to Thanos. But is Loki a villain? Well, sometimes. But, okay, so now I see what you're doing. <laughs> right. So Loki services Loki. He could carry a movie by himself exactly. as the bad guy. So I'll give you that. So, yes. So if they do something like that, 
But I, I don't feel like, not that Joaquin Phoenix can't be likable, but there's something Tom Hiddleston does as Loki that you root for him for some reason. Even when he's being as bad as he's being, you still root for him. Well, there's also the family aspect too, right? Yeah. yeah. Like there's everybody's related and it's family. It's like, it's like family, Alabama. Right. Yeah. Like if Joker and Batman were like first cousins, yeah. you know, then maybe that would make sense. Yeah. You know, you may argue this, but I don't think that Thanos could carry a movie by himself. And you might say, well, Thanos has carried a couple of movies. Well, with 40 other superhero appearances. Yeah. I don't. I still don't know if a villain can carry a movie. I don't think, I don't, I think the answer is no, just because we don't have anything to root for. Right, and so it, why it, do I want to watch the Joker movie if I know, it's almost like Gotham. Bruce Wayne, when Gotham comes on, how old was Bruce Wayne? 12? Yeah, I think it was a fetus when it started, and, <laughs> and now magically he's Batman. Right. Yeah. I didn't care about the inner workings of, you know, Gotham's crime syndicate Yeah. without Batman showing up. I just don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm supposed to care. Gotham but, City's not even on the map if it's not for Batman. Yeah, you know, but they did a cool job with Commissioner Gordon, and because we watched for a couple of seasons and we kind of fell off a little bit. And so Commissioner Gordon became the person you rooted for. And then Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne is young. He's going to work his way up to that. So the hero of that still is not even Commissioner Gordon at the time, just the police officer at the time, detective at the time. So you do have that. So I don't know what they'll do with the Joker. Hey, let me ask you another DC movie question that ties right in. So is DC performing poorly because the movies are not cast properly or they're poorly written or whoever's vision of what, each character is doesn't, you know, meet the general public. There's a lot of reasons, but here's another one that doesn't get mentioned a lot. Has a story been told too many times? Has Superman's story been told too many times? Has Batman's story been told too many times? Because the last 15 years have seen us get a bunch of Marvel movies that have never been to the big screen. Yeah. Iron Man, Thor, The Hulk, Captain America. I mean, they got feature length films for the first time in the last. What, 15, 20 years, I guess? 15 uh, yeah, years? Yeah, 15, I guess. Or 10? It was 08 when uh, Iron Man came out, so 10 years. Right, and we've had Batman movies as old as, you know, the 40s. And we got something in 66. Yeah. And then we got something in, what, 89? I think, yeah, I think it is 89. Right, and so we get all these films over and over, and they all tell the same story. Like, eventually, we know we're going to get Robin. And then eventually, they're going to fight the Joker, and then... They're going to save the city. And then it's the same characters over and over and over again. I bet you that outside of people that have ever read a comic book, nobody knew who Tony Stark was until the first Iron Man film. Not true. A yeah. general public type deal. Yeah. So that could be a factor, too. They're just... Well, I think the tone of DC is different, too. And I think Aquaman sort of fixed that a little bit. It was bright, colorful. They tried to have fun with it. Right. Is it the greatest movie ever? No. But it did it um, surpass The Dark Knights, you know, as the highest grossing one for DC? Yes, because it's the closest one to a Marvel movie. You could, I don't think the casting's wrong for any of it. Because uh, you know, Batman, for what they were trying to serve, really, if Ben Affleck was, was put into this role for the greatest detective... At his age, at this point, he should be the greatest detective. He would be, pro you know, problem solving more so than fighting, just because he's older at this point. Like that, I would have been okay with that casting because, you know, old and grizzled. I'm down with that. I think Henry Cavill is an awesome Superman. 
And they're talking about uh, originally they said they when they when James Gunn got fired from Disney for some stuff that he probably shouldn't have been fired for. Uh, it's been reported that DC was like, look, we'll give you the next Superman movie. How about that? You want that one? And he ended up not taking that one and then ultimately decided he did like, believe it or not, liked the prospect of the of the super pets. Uh, so he may have a little creative input on that one, but he settled on the Suicide Squad. So we don't know if the next Man of Steel movie is going to be with Henry Cavill or if they recast it. I feel like they're in trouble if they recast it. Just because you did Justice League, if you ever want to bring that back around, Wonder Woman's in that. They're not firing Gal Gadot, so they're going to keep her. You did get rid of Ben Affleck, so maybe you just say this Batman will just look different in the next Justice League movie. Aquaman crushed, so you got to keep him. So you've got two cores that you have to keep. They haven't done a Flash movie. They're not going to do a Cyborg movie. So I think you got to keep Henry Cavill for just consistency's sake. And he's a good Superman. Just give him a good film. Give him a good tone to it. Oh, and the best part you're not mentioning, he's a great Clark Kent. He is. Uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of kills it on both regards. He's got he's got a Christopher Reeve thing, like where it just sort of makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Though I will say, I think the, the best Clark Kent besides Christopher Reeve was Brandon Routh. Brandon Routh was incredible, and I don't know what happened to his career, but over Christmas, my wife was sitting at home watching Hallmark movies. And he's on one? And he popped up in one, and, I, and I, you know what I told my wife? Damn it. He's been doing fine. He's, he's That's Superman. He's Adam in uh, DC and the Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, so he's, he's been doing that. He was Dylan Dog, which is, a, is it kind of an underrated movie. God, man, his Superman was great. Is that Returns? Superman Returns. Yeah. The, and, mm. But the, the problem with that movie is the problem with DC movies. You got Lex Luthor again. And what's Lex Luthor's big big get in this movie? I'm going to create land. (laughs) That's the thing. I'm going to create new land. And so he drops the the little crystal into the water. New land forms. And this somehow causes tidal waves, whatever. It's dumb. That as a whole is dumb. And out of the blue, you know, Superman's been gone for a while because he wanted to go explore and find out if his planet was still, you know, dead or whatever. Has a kid in the meantime. And they tease that a little bit. You know, the kid's got asthma but throws a piano across the room in this movie. So they kind of touch on it. They just do somewhat of a poor movie job of just having a good A, B, and C. Just You did mention my point, though, when you were talking about Lex Luthor and the plot was stupid and all that. Yeah. Like, I understand. And the plot wasn't stupid. They just didn't provide a backstory. Yeah. So it's like, here's a movie that's a sequel to a movie that was never made. That's, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, great. Uh, but you mentioned my issue. You got Lex Luthor again. Yeah. Right? It's the same story, essentially. And who was in, who was your uh, villain in Man of, uh, Batman versus Superman? Lex Luthor. Who got teased at the end? And of, that was poor casting, too. Oh, I thought that's terrible casting. I still think it is for Jesse Eisenberg. I am glad that he's back in the new Zombieland 2 movie. Oh, yeah. That's, that's his be, role. That's going to be awesome. Right. But, you know, at the end of Justice League, they teased Deathstroke and uh, and Lex yep. on that yacht. Don't give me Lex again. Put me Deathstroke in that movie against Batman. That's pretty cool. If Deathstroke's going around killing people and Batman's got to figure out who's doing it and how and all this stuff, cool. Does the general public need to know who Deathstroke is? Do they need to know who the villain is? Uh, well, you know, we're fortunate that he was the main villain in Arrow. So if anyone has kind of kept up on that show, they have an idea of that. And Deathstroke's an easy one just to gloss over Assassin. That's all you really have to say if you want to. Assassin, the end. You know what's interesting too, BJ, is that Marvel does a great job 
not eating up the course of a two. Well, how long are those movies? Two and a half hours, Marvel films, yeah. two and a half, two forty-five. As they've gotten more profitable, the time goes up. Right, sure. And and what's interesting is that let's say those movies are two and a half hours long. Thanos rolls in, and Thanos, I mean, you that's a comic book villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've never seen Thanos unless you've pulled the pages of a comic book apart before, okay? Yeah. They don't eat up the entire movie explaining the backstory of the mm-hmm. villain. They give you the villain. They make it really clear that the villain usually can destroy everything. Yeah. Like right out the gate. Like, man, this dude's name is Thanos. He tears stuff up and he's coming for Earth. Yeah. Right. And there you go. And they weave anything you need to know into it, but disguising it as the story for other people. Right. And so you care about it because this is a, oh this is how Gamora became his daughter, but it also gives you a glimpse of how Thanos operates. They they do a great job of being a magician where they're saying look over here while they're actually doing something else with the other hand. How many shared writers and directors have Marvel and DC had? Because we've had people that have done movies for both. Uh, none except for Joss picked up the pieces of Justice League, right? But and did the reshoots. And that's been it. But it was my understanding that the reshoots made a big difference. They're supposed to be almost two different types of movies because of that. So how much creative freedom do you think he got? On those, as much as he could with what was already shot. I think it, you know, you, it's almost like you look at the baseball team that you already have. If you take over as general manager or, or as the manager sure. and you go, all right, so this is the team. This is okay. I can only pick up two new players. All right, let's see what we can do with that. And I think that's what he had. He had uh, he had a, a couple of weeks of some reshoots, had to edit out uh, Cavill's mustache, and just kind of go from there. And, and it, you can look, he even reshot some scenes that had already been shot before. Right. You know, there was a Zack Snyder version, and the tone looked different. The shot was different, and so he redid the scene to make it seem more personal or, or more close. Or, you know, just, there's, there's a lot of articles you can read on the internet as to people who want the Zack Snyder version and those that would like to see more of a Joss Whedon version. But didn't we think that Zack Snyder was going to be great? Like initially, before we knew anything about the movie or before we had seen a, a trailer, before we had read about the plot, didn't sure. we think? Yeah, I mean, he did 300, he did Watchmen, he did, um, I'm drawing a blank on something superheroish. Oh, he did uh, Man of Steel, if I'm not mistaken. So I just wonder if like, because now Marvel has a track record with their characters showing up. Like we talked about this last week too, Spider-Man. That was, that's a Sony film. Mm-hmm. And Sony still has X-Men? No, nah, that's Fox. Fox. I'm sorry, Fox. Is, and that deal's closing anytime. Sony so. has something else, though. Uh, Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four. That's what they've got. They've got Fantastic Four. So com- complete creative control for those studios, and they hire their teams, and they do what they want. They churn out good products. Except for the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man 3. Dude, the original, the first two Fantastic Four movies were awesome. Uh, the first one's fine. The second one is okay. We can't retroactively compare these movies. We just at the seen, time, right? Because yeah. even X Men, the first X Men, was it. awesome. Saw it at theater. The second one was pretty good. The third one, okay. And as you go back and look at them now, they they are not campy, but there is something wrong with them now. Well, because when you see X Men First Class, you're like, oh, well, yeah, damn, this is how it's done. Part of that's early CGI too. Yeah. Uh, because I remember I was uh, in high school when the X-Men movie came out, I think, like 10th or 11th. I'm 35 years old. Yeah. So 
Uh, those movies are pretty old. That have been 98, 99, 2000, right? Somewhere, Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there, yeah. Plus, I'm not going to knock the second one. We got a fan. We got a uh, Silver Surfer. Yeah, which was good because they wanted to set up a Silver Surfer movie. The problem is you had a villain you could never see. It was, you know, a cloud of <laughs> dust. And That's the Green Lantern movie. That's getting Parallax to be your... But at least you could see Parallax. It had a face. <laughs> you know, Doctor uh, or uh, Galactus, just it, it was what it was. Right. If they do that again, because they will do a Fantastic Four movie now. They, they're supposed to be doing a Silver Surfer movie now. I'm down with all of that, and I think that they'll crush it because it's Marvel. Because uh, you can see uh, even the original version of how uh, Ion Gruffin, whatever his name is, who is Mr. Fantastic and Jessica Alba. Let's just take a moment for Jessica Alba. Just. Okay. Yeah, uh, she was great. Oh, my goodness. The best she's ever been. Side note, still in a movie, a comic movie, Sin City. As she played uh, Nancy, wasn't that her name? That's sure L- Little Nancy. That's a, hey, once again, another DC project that's good. It's good. Well, look who did it, Robert Rodriguez. Right. And and it was you hadn't seen anything like that. Sin City 2, not quite as good. Sin City 2 is garbage. Yeah, not, not so we're there. Um, but that first movie, when, you know, Chris Evans is... Is uh, Human Torch yep. and, and then the Shield uh, as the thing uh, with Chickless had a different vibe than the remake did. The remake was just dark and was almost like a DC movie that really didn't have a plot either. You know, they got their powers and then Doom, you know, is going to I'm going to build this portal and we're going to I'm going to destroy the Earth and I'm going to live here by myself. You could have done that anyway, right? And so there's some plot holes there. It will get better. Um, so I'm excited for Suicide Squad because James Gunn's going to do it. It's going to be awesome. But let's circle back around. We were mentioning people uh, in, in some of these various roles. Who do you think should play the new Batman? Well, first, I think we have to agree upon an age. Like, because you, you said 25 to 35 is what they're going for. I'm in there. 25 yeah. is too young. I think that, too. I, I think he should really be, like, 30 or above. Don't make him 40. But give me somewhere in the 30s and I'm happy. As Because you, between the two of us, you're the biggest Batman fan. Like, that's your dude. That was the first comic you bought. That's your man. Who would you be happy seeing playing him? Well, there's a trick to playing Batman. Mm-hmm. I tell my brother this all the time because he's a Batman guy, too. Anybody can play Batman. Bruce Wayne? Yes. You've got to be able to play Bruce Wayne. And that is something that Michael Keaton excelled at. Mm-hmm. He was dry cynical and plus it was the 80s so he kind of fit but christian bale killed yeah bruce wayne i mean killed bruce wayne and to be fair affleck wasn't far off if they were doing the you know dark knight returns deal yeah but but he wasn't ever he never had to be bruce wayne right not in any like even in the when it was batman versus superman he didn't really have to ever be bruce wayne and if you read Dark Knight Returns, which apparently was the source material, it's like kind of loosely based. A little, little bit. And loosely. I mean, yeah. loosely based. That Bruce Wayne is much older. Yeah, he's, than, he's an old man. He needs a cane. That, that's right. And carries a, a baseball bat and occasionally rides a horse. Yeah. But with that said, I, I have a short list. Okay. Here. I think Robert Pattinson. Could play the role. Okay. I've not seen his name come up, but okay, I'll give you that one. You like that? I'm okay with that one. Listen, the thing about Robert... He's pa- Twilight, though, so it's going to be hard to get past dude, that. Dude, he's Twilight and Harry Potter. That's true. That's true, yeah. 
And so that that's tough. I get it, but I think that he's I think he's a skilled actor. Yeah. Like, Take my body back, Harry. Take my body back. <laughs> I think he could play the dark version of Bruce Wayne. Okay. Like Christian Bale excelled at playing the Bruce Wayne that was tormented, that mm-hmm. had psychiatric issues and needs help. But and he could, all, and could be a playboy and drive and you, the Lamborghini yeah. up to the bar. And you the, believe? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I have. And now this is a fantasy list, right? It doesn't matter if they're obligated to contract with no, it's, anything it's else. What, it's who you want to do it. Liam Hemsworth, I think, could play. <sighs> I think he could play Batman. I think he could. But there's something about, I don't know. You don't like him? I don't know. There's Not that I haven't seen him do anything, because he's in the Hunger Games. I don't know what else I've seen him do besides that. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen that. <laughs> But that heard, is, you've heard about it. I've only heard. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, Jake would be on my list. Now he's going to be Mysterio, but that doesn't mean that he can't be Batman. And, I, and he's been on a lot of lists that I've seen out there. I like out of what you said so far. I like Jake Gyllenhaal the best. I just thought about Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she could be uh, <laughs> Batman as well right. for for a new generation. <laughs> um, and then the last one that I had, because like I said, it's a very short list, and I kind of threw it together, but I thought Army Hammer could do a great job with All the, right. the role. For the record, Army Hammer is leading every single list of who should play Batman. Army <laughs> Hammer is number one on all of them. He looks the part. Here's my problem with Army Hammer. I've seen him in a couple of films. Now, I did not see Call Me By My Name, I think is the one where he, him and Timothy Charlemagne or whatever yep, the guy's name yep, is, yep. that he was nominated, like that he apparently crushed at that. And I should probably see that since there's no dragons or robots or superheroes in that movie, I will never see it. So I'm just going to assume it's great and that he is great in there. I saw him in The Lone Ranger. And what is that movie? Terrible. <laughs> it is one of and I, I didn't even finish that movie. That bad. That I, I, you know, the guy who doesn't like good movies will watch a bad movie. Didn't finish the Lone Ranger. He's terrible in that movie. I also saw him in the movie. Didn't finish this one either. It's it's the spy movie with him. Henry Cavill is also in it, and uh, one of them's British and one or Russian or whatever it is, and and it's terrible. And he's terrible in that, too. So that's my poor taste in my mouth is that I feel like he's this sort of cheesy actor guy from the roles that I've seen him in. Maybe he would crush it. And he's probably, if he wants it, it looks like it's going to be his role. If he wants to do it, he's in the right aim. I just meant that he looks the part. I, I, I would choose Jake Gyllenhaal or, honestly, Robert Pattinson. I know that the Robert Pattinson, the Robert Pattinson thing sounds silly, but he's been nominated for some pretty serious yeah, awards. Yeah, no, he can he can act. So he he can certainly act. But I also think that he can play younger just because of the way he looks. Sure. So if they're going for that thing where he, you know, Batman is going to be twenty eight years old, Robert yeah. Pattinson could pull that off. And I don't know how old Robert Pattinson is, but I'm yeah. guessing he's close to my age. I'm guessing he's thirty. Five, thirty six. I, I think you're probably in the ballpark. Uh, I, I mean, I, I forgot my Teen Beat magazine. Uh, I would be able to look that up pretty quick yeah thanks bj listen uh there is another one too like i in all honesty you can a you can bring christian bale back i i thought you why not bring him back right just have him come back do a whole new deal or you throw like what's what's really good a-list actor money now for a man 20 million for a film and some of the back end or is it higher than that uh, no, I think you're probably at 20, and then, like you said, getting some points on the film. All right, so let's go 35 million 
and a great share of the back end and bring Robert Downey Jr. in and just tell him, hey, man, play Tony Stark, but now your name's Bruce. Yeah, no, but he'd be a terrible Batman. I think he'd be a terrible Batman. Great Bruce Wayne, terrible Batman. Then we do a Ninja Turtle thing, and then CGI the Batman. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, all right. So, some, like uh, Army Hammer's on, you know, on everyone's list. Um, I thought that you could do like a Charlie Hunnam. Ooh. From Sons of Anarchy and from Pacific Rim. I stayed away from people that didn't look like the dude in the comic book. I wanted darker hair. Yeah, you just give you know they have hair dye. No, I know that. He's darker that hair. But there's, I'm such a snob. Yeah. With the role, like I thought he'd be pretty cool at it. And there's been some, there's some other people out there. There is a guy who was dark hair, and I'm gonna blank on his name right now, and I feel bad. He is, um, he is Jigsaw in the latest Punisher oh, yeah. one, and I do know his name. I just can't think of it. But he's also the uh, the Prince Caspian in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, that dude, uh, I think, would be a cool Bruce Wayne and a good Batman as well. He can play young, too. Uh, he's he's probably 30 or and somewhere up there. Uh, but I think he would be okay, and he would look the part. So those are some that I would float. But I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal would be super cool. I think there's some other probably some um, – oh, I don't know age-wise. I know this guy is a fan. Like, he knows the stories of Batman. Sure. John Hamm. You got a guy that would slay as Bruce oh. Wayne and who could and could pull off the Batman stuff. Yeah, he shows up as Don Draper, and that is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That might be who he modeled John Draper after. You know, they said on Mad Men he didn't wear underwear. Really? I never saw the show. And then he would get really tight pants, <laughs> like, and he would do it kind of to be funny. Yeah. I, I could go with that. Yeah, no, I think I think John Hamm would just be super cool as it. Can I throw one? A, a wild card. This isn't Maggie Gyllenhaal? No. Okay, sure. Stephen Amell. No. No? No. Again, blonde hair, though, for the most part. It's blondish. He's Arrow at this point. I really think so. I hey, think I think he's just now that. You mean he's Arrow as in if the Green Arrow got a standalone film or they brought Arrow into the DC universe, that that's him? I'm No, they wouldn't do that because even Marvel didn't do that with the TV shows. Uh, I think if when I see Stephen Amell now, I see Green Arrow. When he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Uh, I guess that was the sequel. He played Casey Jones. I saw the arrow. What about the fair and balanced argument we were having? Like, I don't see him as Arrow. Yeah. You can't see him as Bruce Wayne at all? Not really. No. Because I think the problem, too, is because he's so broody as Green Arrow, I feel like I I don't see the swab and debonair Bruce Wayne then. I think that's a hard one. They're going to cast somebody. A movie comes out uh, June 25th, 2021. Apparently the script is done, and they're going to start getting to work. Um, Oliver Queen is very much Bruce Wayne. Is very much a young Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and I think at the start of the season, or the start of that show, he probably did that pretty well. And I should probably go back and see that, and then I'd go, okay, I, I could I could give you some of that. And I'm sure there's a slew of people that we're missing out on. My list is awful. It's stupid. No, it's fine. I thought it was great. You laughed at Robert Pattinson. No, it's that's fine. Robert Pattinson's fine. And you made a... You, well, know, you didn't say Hayden Christensen, so that's good. You made a, a Tiger Beat reference or something. <laughs> and Liam Hemsworth, you shot that down. I, I think people would love Liam Hemsworth as Bruce Wayne and and uh, Batman. I think he's the, he's got the size. His brother is Thor. I think that all works well. The problem, Again, I think I see people... 
in the roles that I've seen them in and have a hard time wrapping my head around them playing someone else. He would probably crush at that, but he is Miley Cyrus's, are they husband now? I don't know, husband yes. and wife, they're married yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. Uh, so th- I think I have a hard time getting around that. At the beginning of the podcast, and I know we're trying to move on, but at the beginning of the podcast, you made a uh, you made a point that DC should follow Marvel's lead and that with uh, Aquaman, they sort of did that yep. and the movie's a little more fun and it it's not quite Guardians of the Galaxy fun. Right. But they sort of, there was a balancing sure. act there. It's sort of like the last Avengers film. Like, there were a lot of parts in that movie that where I laughed. Yeah. Or maybe even Spider-Man. You know, something like that. Sure. You can't do that with Batman. No. No, not at all. And they and they tried that even in Justice League. That was my point. That's why I picked some of the people that I did because I felt like Pattinson and Hemsworth, especially the Hunger Games, yeah. Liam Hemsworth. And I also tried to pick dudes that were bigger. Yeah. I don't want Bruce Wayne to be 5'8", and they have to get crafty with the, the shots and yeah. all that. Because you can tell when that's happening. Oh, absolutely. No, I think uh, I think you're right on that. Uh, Hugh Jackman, if you went with an older one, he'd be a... Uh, I know he's Wolverine and he's established as that, but I think he could play a pretty slick Batman if necessary. We're going to get to the point where... Are superhero films on the way out? I don't think so. Look how big uh, The Avengers, I think, was like the number two highest grossing movie of all time but at some point like uh, the way that hollywood works everything is uh it's cyclical right yeah so it'll come and it'll at some point superhero movies will be replaced by space movies or whatever the hottest trend is if they keep going at the rate that they're going now and keep making as much money as they do these established characters like the robert downey juniors and the hugh jackmans or whatever they're going to start crossing over and playing other superheroes. We're finding out so many people can't do it. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to cast Ben Affleck now to be another superhero. That's not going to happen. Yeah. He, I, I don't know. I mean, he could, but now it would have to be an older one. You know, it'd have to be an aged hero, whatever it happens to be. He didn't do a bad Batman. It just, you know, what they gave him wasn't the best. You know, the Batman versus Superman thing wasn't the best storyline ever. Who played the comedian? Oh, that was oh, that is Negan. Yeah, Negan. Negan and the comedian, same dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Could he do Batman? Well, he could. And and side note here is when they were talking the Flashpoint movie, and that was a very real thing that was going to happen. They were going to Ezra Miller was going to be Flash, and they were going to do the Flashpoint, and that is where uh, you know Batman's dad didn't get killed in that alley, and his mom, uh, Bruce, gets killed. His dad becomes Batman. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, as far as everyone knows, was going to be uh, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. I knew that. And the cool part about that is uh, also from The Walking Dead, uh, that Maggie, who played Martha Wayne in in the scene uh, where uh, they get killed yep. in those, uh, played his wife. She would also have been in that movie too. Can we take a moment for Maggie, like we did with Jessica Alba? Think she's not hot? She's up there, dude. What? I'd give her an eight. I don't know if I'd give her a 10. A Gal Gadot and Jessica Alba are my 10s. You shut down my Batman list. <laughs> That's my bad. You shut down my Maggie moment of silence. Right. So Sorry. so we're going to see if DC can get it right on a, a movie that comes out this year. And I'm wearing a Shazam shirt today. So what I say comes with love. But DC is messing up Shazam on all fronts right now. I'm going to let, I'm going to step out of the way and let you go. So here, here's 
let's let's start with the comic itself. You've got a guy who is potentially one of the greatest heroes of all time uh, from a standpoint of what he should be able to do. And that is uh, be essentially a rival to uh, Superman for, for what his powers can be and what everything is. So for those that don't know, Shazam is an acronym. It's also the wizard that gave Billy Batson his powers. So the S is for the wisdom of Solomon. So what this does, it, it bestows upon him the knowledge and focus of the gods. Think about, let, let that part sink in for a second. <laughs> Have you ever seen that character ever really do that? The answer to that is not really. So that's your S. Your H is the strength of Hercules. Superhuman strength. We've seen it in the comics to where he, it rivals Superman's. All the way. All the way. So, so far, you've got a guy that is smarter than Superman and as strong as Superman. Right now, advantage, Shazam. Next up, you've got the A, which is the stamina of Atlas. That is superhuman stamina and invulnerability. So you've got a guy who never tires and is near invulnerable to pain. Superman gets tired. Superman will get tired. Also, put him in a dark room for uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and he's all disoriented. He's powerless. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's not? Shazam. Right now, two advantages go to Shazam. Now let's go to the Z. The power of Zeus. Control over unlimited magic, lightning, immortality, energy manipulation, and spell casting. What's one of Superman's greatest weaknesses? Magic. Can't handle magic. If you're magical, you got Superman's number all day. Three points go to Shazam. After the Z, what do we have? Another A. This is the courage of Achilles. Indomitable will. Someone who will never give up. Superman also doesn't give up. But is it the courage of Achilles? Let's go draw on that one. We're going to go you know, mid middle America for Superman. Okay. Achilles for uh, Shazam. And now we're going to go to the M of Shazam, which is the speed of Mercury, superhuman speed that would also rival that of Superman. I've never seen Shazam use the speed a, a great deal. Like he's not, you know, turning the earth backwards and resetting the time. Continuum. And you honestly don't see Superman do it that much either. Uh-oh. And, and here's, here's why I think, because I do love Superman. He's, he is my favorite hero as a whole because DC does get it right a lot of times with him. Shazam should be, if you love Superman, you should love Shazam even more. That's but the reason why no one does is because DC just gets it wrong yep. when it comes to that. Uh, they, you know, so Superman, the comic would be ridiculously uncompelling if they did it the way it really would be. He's so fast. He's so strong. You'd never, you could never beat him. That comic would last a panel. You know, whatever was going on, going on, it would just be over in a page or something. You know, side note, it's also the reason that they don't do a Superman video game. Everybody always asks about that, and it would be no fun. They did, like, back in the day. Nintendo and it was, 64, yeah. and it was garbage. But you, you couldn't do one, an open-world Superman game now, because you just run around with laser eyes, destroying everything. And if you, yeah. you, were get, you know, got ready to die, you just fly backwards really fast and... Well, I won't give Superman the time travel stop. I do hate time travel to me as a cop out. Unless you want to do it to do something really cool like a flashpoint to where you've messed it now. Now it's become something interesting. I think time travel and they're about to do it in the gosh darn Avengers movie. That's what I'm going to say. Right. Is a cop out. 
But, all right, so we've established that Shazam should be a better hero power-wise than Superman. Yes, Superman's got the uh, heat ray vision. Uh, Shazam doesn't. Shazam's got the lightning. So let's say those kind of cross each other out on that. Uh, Superman's got x-ray vision. Uh, super, uh, Shazam does not, but Shazam does have great hearing just like Superman does. So he can't see through stuff. That's fine, too. Uh, super breath for Superman. Why does he have that? Because he's so powerful. I'm going to say that Shazam would also have that, too. If you're essentially the same body and the same strength, why would you also not be able to do that? He doesn't do it because he's a Kryptonian. He does it because of his physical makeup and how it works here on Earth. Right. So I'm just going to assume they both get to do that. So you've got this wonderful character that DC just doesn't do enough with. You know what Shazam's arch nemesis is? Duct tape. You know why? Because if Billy Batson can't say Shazam, he can't turn into Shazam. That's right. And then you snap his neck. And it's, <laughs> and it's over. Look, that took one panel of that comic, and now Shazam is dead. Duct tape or just a, a third hand over a mouth. Put a hand over a mouth, and now Shazam can't be Shazam. Okay, so the trailer came out. What? Oh, for the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And what they've done, and, and, and the part of it too is Shazam is Billy Batson the kid. And then when he becomes Shazam, he's Billy Batson the kid who is now an adult who still acts like a kid. Right. Didn't we say earlier that the wisdom of Solomon is the very first letter yeah, of his he's name? He's dumb as a rock in that trailer. Yeah, he is. And so what DC has done is they've created a character for children to like. For kids to like and for kids to relate to. And that is fantastic. Yeah, wasn't that the original point of Shazam? Yeah, they had, they had something that you know, could, kids could, you know, could relate to and whatever. And that's fantastic. I'm, I'm all about that. But what you have to do is you have to change with the times as well. So you've got this movie that's going to be the superhero big. It's going to be Tom Hanks. Like, he doesn't even know he's got powers. Can you fly? I don't know. Let's find out. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I get it. You've written this movie to relate to everybody who don't know who this guy is. And you got to make it fun for them. And you got to change the game a little bit. So you've got a comedy that is a superhero movie. And it's going to placate to the kids a whole lot. And it might be fairly entertaining for the parents as well. I don't know. It looks like it's going to be pretty terrible. But I'll still go see it, that being said, as I wear my Shazam shirt and I drink water from my Shazam water bottle. Well, I, I mentioned to you when the trailer came out that uh, I was disappointed because I was always under the impression that Billy became something else. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to. Right. But even like if you see him in the cartoons, even the comics some, he's still supposed to have his, some of his personality. And that's that should absolutely happen. It's still him. But now, have you ever met... Two kids the same age, but they might be starkly different in how they act, where one kid might be a better reader and might, or met a kid where like, man, they really do well talking with adults. And he's eight. And you go to another eight-year-old that licks windowsills, right? right? Developmentally, so, they're different. Let's say Billy licks windowsills, <laughs> and then he says Shazam and becomes an adult then he should at least be the one that could carry on the conversation with the adults because he's got the wisdom of Solomon. That's right. Right? Uh, I'm not going to see that movie. I will just because. They played the trailer. So I saw the trailer online like everybody else yeah. or whatever, and I watched it, and I went home and watched it on uh, YouTube on the smart TV. Sure. And then I went to see Into the Spider-Verse, and yeah. it was like the first trailer. Yeah. Something about seeing that 
terrible trailer in the theater, and I was like, this movie is going to suck so yeah, bad. Zachary Levi couldn't bulk up enough for it, so the suit is padded and very kind of obvious, and right. and so it, it is going to be what it's going to be. So they've, they're messed up on that one front there. Look like some bad CGI, too, man. Well, it's, and one thing that we've learned is with these movies, what we see in the trailer, a lot of the times initially, and even where we are now, you know, the movie comes out in uh, April, that it's not finished yet. Even Guardians of the Galaxy, the very first trailer they showed for that, there's scenes that look totally different when it was polished. Right. So, you know, we'll give them a little bit of credit on that. So they might be messing up there for the movie. They're a thousand percent messing up with the brand new comic they released. They've got two issues out now. I was super excited, heard that they were going to be putting this thing out, and all right, cool, Shazam's getting his own thing. Knew it should happen because of the movie. And they have such little faith in this hero that in issue number two... He doesn't even turn into Shazam. Not doesn't make an appearance in the movie in, in the comic at all. It's a Billy comic? Well, it's it's a Billy and his uh foster brothers and sisters comic. Uh. So the very first issue, they foil like a uh, I think they're in a museum or something, some sort of a heist, and it's him and five other kids. And they all have the powers. But they're a little bit different. One talks to technology and one does this over here, but they all look like Shazam people. Because one of the storylines of Shazam is the family of Shazam. You know, like he's right. that sort of thing. So that Billy has imbued his brothers and sisters, the foster kids, with these powers too. And so that's who you get. They have such little faith in Billy by himself or Shazam by himself, they've had to give him a team. And they did, and they're not even battling anybody yet. Issue two is they're going to gosh darn like the seven realms of magic, which seems like that would be kind of cool. But nothing is happening. They're about to go to Funland or Gameland, and they're gonna be riding roller coasters and stuff Dude, like that. Dude, that's DOA. I know. So terrible. So here's what I suggest: keep that comic for the kids. Give us a different comic for people who appreciate comic books and appreciate good stories and appreciate good heroes. Give me Billy Badson who's 27 years old. He's been Shazam for 15 years. or t- Yeah, it'd be about 15 years if he's 27 or so. He's been doing the hero thing the whole time. Because keep in mind, in this universe, Superman has a son that is three years or two years older or younger than Billy Batson. That's true. So why does Superman get to grow up, still look about the same, and have a kid? I guess technically now John is uh, 17, uh, but he was just 13. Or 12. That's Billy Batson's rough age estimate in, in that little ballpark there. So why can't we have Billy become a 27-year-old? All the things that you're saying right now are the same things that I was saying about the crappy Batman movies that we've gotten yeah. over the last four or five years. But here's the issue. They can't make the movie that you want to see. And I'm okay with that. I want the comic that I want. That's more so what I want. I get the movie you got to do. You're doing superhero big it's going to be fine. People will go see it. The kids will laugh. There'll be some fart jokes in there, and that's okay. <laughs> and then maybe the next one's a little bit cooler. You do deserve a comic. But give me the comic, because you've got, you know, Spider-Man's a great example of having multiple comics for different times. There, right. You know, where you've got a younger Peter Parker over here, and you've got this over here. So if you give me Billy Batson, who's 27, who tells his neighbors that he's a freelance photographer, so when he goes away for a little while... It's okay, but really he's getting a stipend from the Justice League because they make money off of technology they use from other planets. They've got patents. They're running a space station, all this stuff. They pay him to be in the Justice League so he can live. And he likes to take pictures too, so it's a good front for him. He is 
mastered magic at this point where he doesn't have to say Shazam. Because otherwise, again, duct tape or a ball gag is uh, going to be, you know, the, the downfall of Billy Batson. Make him 6-1. That's the movie I want. Billy with a ball gag in his mouth with Marcellus Wallace, like a yeah. Pulp Fiction thing. That's right. Like in a basement somewhere to pawn shop. That's, maybe that's what you get. Well, you know, there's a character that I like in the way that you like Shazam, and he never gets a comic either. And I've always been told it's because he can't carry a comic book. Now, plastic, heart- plastic Man? <laughs> no, not quite. They tried that yeah. uh, earlier. They got yeah, He's in the Terrifics. Um, Martian Manhunter, right? Yeah. Martian Manhunter is a character that I like a lot because like Shazam, he really has a single flaw, right? And it's fire, which seems pretty silly. Like Martian Manhunter, a match yeah. pretty much destroys Martian Manhunter. Right, yeah. And it's like the duct tape joke that you were making there, the ball gag or whatever. Yeah. Martian Manhunter is all-knowing, all-being. He could transform into anything, anywhere. He's a telepath. You're right. And his power seems limitless, but for some reason, Martian Manhunter, who I believe has a comic out right now, nobody's buying it. Yeah, I don't know if he does. I know that they've chosen him to lead the Justice League in this latest iteration of Justice League. So they're trying to give him a little bit of a push. Well, no, that's fine. Yeah. He's always sort of had that role. Like, for some reason, uh, they they put Martian Manhunter in a role where Bruce Wayne really regarded, you know, his opinion yeah. or his direction. And Superman did, you know, Clark agreed and would uh, use Martian Manhunter as counsel yeah. from time to time. And that was always cool for Justice League because... Uh, in the modern take in the Justice League, Batman and Superman just don't ever get along. Right. Right. So now you've got this mediator and he's just all knowing all being, but he can't carry his own comic and neither can Shazam. I don't know why that is, if it's why it's written, but people don't buy it. Yeah. And I think now, cause it's just unrelatable for adults, you know, or, or even, uh, teens at this point, because it's just a kid who becomes a hero. And then the storylines kind of become that, you know, they, they write to that strength. But if you wrote him as an adult and let him have a life and then let him be a hero let him let him use all the attributes that we mentioned earlier let him dive into some of this magic like if you took an adult Shazam and and started to really dive into the seven realms of magic think about all the new characters you could introduce and all the new things you could do but on an adult level and not on a kitty level where hey, man we really should you know let's ride the roller coaster seven more times which is what's going to be coming in the next issue who do you get to write that comic you get scott snyder to write it and yeah. and and you know why you get scott snyder to write it he took dead on arrival swamp thing and d- d- just destroyed that story in a good way yeah like i'm tearing this down and i'm going to make this dude stand up on his own people bought swamp thing i, I you're right it, it just needs a different direction it needs a darker tone yeah, or just give it a real tone. Because right now it's all, you know, sunshine and lollipops. Well, dark is synonymous with real now. You ever notice that? Yeah. Like, whatever they call dark with, you know, Batman's always one of those where, like, man, we'll take the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's dark. Mm-hmm. The real world is dark. Yeah. Like, what's happening today in whatever socioeconomic talk, if we wanted to do that? Yeah. That's dark. Sure. So it's just more realistic. But that's what I meant by dark. It's just got to be you know, believable. Yeah. And so I feel like you got a hero you could do so much with and they're doing nothing with it at all besides writing this 
kind of cheesy kid comic and wasting a great hero. Because he's got the magic side, you get to do different storylines that you wouldn't have done with Superman. You let Superman do what he's doing, and that's interplanetary type stuff and whatever, and then you take Shazam and, and make things more magical happen there. And still get to, you know, with, with magic and all that, you get to have all sorts of powerful enemies if you want. So that's what I'm going to ask DC. I know you love this podcast and you listen every single week. Uh, that's your story for, the, for, for Shazam. Make him an adult, and then let's just get rocking and rolling. What is the release date for the film? April. Uh, April 5th or something? Yeah, April 5th. So we'll get a review on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll see it. I'll see it the first weekend. And we get, you know, we mentioned Joker earlier. That's October 4th of this year. Uh, and then we get Birds of Prey next year, which we saw the teaser this this week for it. And then uh, that's Harley Quinn and it's Huntress and whatever. I, I'm, I'm a can't, we, we don't know anything yet. We just know that it comes out next year. And then Wonder Woman's next year as well. BJ's a parent. So you have uh, Sam is 15, 15 yep. and Danger is 10, 11, 11 years yeah. old. You'll take Danger to this one? For for Shazam, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent take him because I'd like to hear his take too. Yeah, because that movie was built for him. Even it, though I will tell you that uh, it may not be built for Danger because Danger is like a, a thirty-eight year old <laughs> and eleven year old. No, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, we have introduced Danger to. Uh, I introduced him to three films recently. Okay. Uh, so because he is eleven, he'll be twelve as, uh, in this summer. Uh, I re- I introduced him a week or so ago to Spaceballs. Okay, what and do you he think? Absolutely loved it. Awesome. He thought it was amazing because it. I remember seeing it as a kid and without parental supervision because it was new when I was young. And Mel Brooks is a little out there. With yeah, the it's PG, I think. And so there's some words in there. And PG then and PG now are two different things. Way different. And so, but he loved it. And then I also let him watch uh, Deadpool, or sorry, Once Upon a Deadpool. Okay. Because that is made for PG-13. And it's the Christmas... Uh, well, that's when they put it out, but it has nothing to do with Christmas. Right, right, right. And, you know, it starts off Fred Savage is, is in a recreation of his Princess Bride bedroom. He's been kidnapped by Deadpool to tell this story. All the blood is gone. All of it. Uh, there are no, there's no spewing blood or spattering blood. It's just gunshots, and you can see the red on the, on the shirt or whatever. Did he like it? He... Loved it. Cool. Loved it. Would love to see Deadpool 1, but that is just not going to happen. That kid will be 18 when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. And then I also introduced him to Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Oh, super. And with Steve Odenkirk. uh, And uh, he was like, this is the dumbest, best movie (laughs) I've ever seen. Because it is. It's so silly. It's it's not slapstick, but it kind of is. It's supposed to be what it is. Yeah, and he thought he was laughing through the whole thing. He kept looking over at me the whole time. He's like, did that just happen? Was that just... Because it's just silly stuff. So I am introducing him to more silly things. But he's seen all the mainstream modern Marvel movies oh, and everything, right? loves them. He's going to hate Shazam. I, no, I think he likes it. I think he will because it's going to have, like I mentioned before, fart jokes. It is going to be like, hey, Billy... And then, like, <laughs> and and that's all it's gonna take. You add a fart into anything, and that just became so funny. Shazam would be better suited at this point if instead of saying Shazam, he he well he <laughs> and he turns into Shazam, or he sharted <laughs> and he shartzam. Well, now yeah, shartzam <laughs> by the power of shartzam, right? And then you smell him before he gets there. He cramps on himself a little bit and turns into a character. Can I bring up uh, something? 
that I think is really bad too coming yeah. to television. Yeah. All right. So we talk here on the podcast, namely it's the second episode, right? And it's all comic book stuff. That's yeah. kind of what we've hit you with. But we do do some other things. Yep. Television, pop culture, music. You know, and this has been mostly movies, and it's been yeah. superhero focused. Yeah. But, uh, John Mayer, your your favorite guy. Uh, he is godfather of your daughter on a on a top 10 list of of musicians past or present i i rank him as a favorite not as a best or anything like that but as a as a favorite i'm so top 10 top nine top eight uh, I, figured, I thought he would have been higher than 10 uh, all right i'll give him 10 that's fine well he may be he may be top five breaking in he may be in the five okay. mark okay. or something but uh he had an album called Continuum. Yep. And that's the album that has Waiting on the World to Change, Gravity, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. Like, chances are, if you like popular music, you wouldn't have made it uh, through the last 10 years without walking into, say, a JCPenney without hearing one of those songs. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you've heard some of this stuff. Well, one song on that album is called Heart of Life. Yeah. And now ABC is yeah. using the lyrics. You're having a hard time even saying It this. is so stupid. They are going to use the lyrics from that song and base a television show around it. Yep. And I know the song very well. Yeah. But I should preface by saying that, A, I'm married to a woman. Yes, you okay. are. And okay. you have a daughter. Yep. And uh, I'm very much a dude. And you were a part of that daughter as well. Yeah, like 100%. You, you guys didn't buy her or any of that. Right. She yep. looks just like me. Yeah. But uh, John Mayer, if you don't know this, is an incredible guitar player. Yeah, phenomenal. And I think if you ask John Mayer if he would rather write a riff that was remembered 100 years from now or lyrics 100 years from now, there's no doubt in my mind he's saying a riff. Yep. Because he believes that he's a guitar player before he is a songwriter. True that. I, I truly believe that. He went to Berkeley School of Music. Yep. And uh, It wasn't even, it was there where he started to write songs. That's right. Because he found the girls like the songwriter and not the guitar player. Yeah, because he was playing Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. yep. you know, covers and yep. stuff. So uh, the lyrics to this song, now yeah. this is sad. I know them off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah. They are pretty corny. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's sa some sappy type stuff. Oh, yeah. It's uh, I Hate to See You Cry. This is the start of the song. Remember, this is going to be a TV show. I Hate to See You Cry. Laying there in that position. There's things you need to hear. So turn off the tears so and listen. Turn off your tears and listen. Pain throws your heart to the ground. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, I know. Look, dude. Hey, I, you know what? Love turns that <laughs> whole thing around. No, it, it wouldn't all go the way it should, but I know the heart of life is good. I know it's good. Yeah, so look, I, I know how, how dumb it is. We're a third of the way through the song already. What the hell is the show going to be about? Well, here's what's interesting. So I see that article yesterday because I have been, John Mayer's been in my Google search bar a lot. Because <laughs> man, that's no one said that. No, no grown man has ever said that. Yeah, I know. But listen, John he, Mayer's been in my Google bar. John Mayer, search. John Mayer is touring in 2019. Yes, he is, and he is coming to uh, several towns close to where we record this. Yep, one of them, Charlotte, North Carolina. He's coming to Atlanta. But anyways, yeah, uh, tickets went on sale about a week before we recorded this particular podcast. Yep. I got blocked out of buying floor seats. Why did I want floor seats? Because I was going to take my wife and drag her along. She doesn't want to hear John Mayer anymore. She's seen him a couple of times. Yeah. She doesn't want to see him, be around him, listen to the music, any of that. But I'm dragging her, and I'm paying a lot of money so that I can sit on the floor, 
where all the girls they throw the panties and stuff. Yeah. But I want to watch him play guitar. Yeah. I don't know if you're a, a an instrumentalist of any kind, but if you buy these DVDs of like Hendrix at Woodstock or whatever Blu-rays, you watch this stuff. The camera never locks in on the guitar. They're always showing the drummer, and they're showing people out in the crowd, which is the worst concert footage shot there is Yeah, when they do crowd pan. I want to go sit close so that I can see what he's doing on the guitar because I can do some of it, but I can't do all of it. And even you're, after, you're going to school, essentially, is what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. But the prices, the stub hubbers out there and the scalpers have drove the tickets to like $2,200. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Right. And, and the initial price was even too high for me. I, yeah. BJ knows this story. But I waited in line. I had the pre-sale code. I did this whole thing. And by waiting in line, sitting in his office on the computer. Right, waiting. in a queue. But yeah. it, they even make it look like a line. There's like a little, you're a little man there. Oh, okay. I've it, not done that. Oh, yeah, and then there's like tons of other little men in front <laughs> okay. of you. And then you just sort of tick along. So sexist. They should be some sort of ambiguous person. I didn't think about that. Sorry to the LG. LGBTQ. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I get to the front of the queue, and all of, let's say, the first three rows are all gone. Now, okay. you and I already talked about this. I think the first two Maybe even the first three rows, they're probably all comp tickets. Yeah. Record labels, John Mayer meets a girl in town and wants her to set up, or like whatever the deal is. So I'm trying, I'm like fourth, fifth, sixth row, I want those tickets. Mm-hmm. They're not there either. The best I can do is eighth row, left section in the front. So I'm looking to the right the entire time. Yeah. But I figured that row eight or nine was probably not too deep so that I couldn't take a step to the right or left. And be able to see what was happening. Sure, those tickets were three, three twenty something a piece. Because yeah. the, the the total after the handling fees yeah. and all the crap that comes with buying right. tickets yeah. were six hundred eighty two dollars and something odd cents. Yeah, that's crazy. So I call my wife and she because I'm not making that purchase without good for you. Yeah. So yeah. she says, "Do it. Yeah, do it." And I'm like, "Should you do it?" Is a question. I didn't do it. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, I, I just yeah, yeah. I backed away from the whole thing and I'm gonna try to get into the building in some other capacity. We got here. some plans. We're gonna we're gonna try to figure that right. out. Right. I'm working on that. But I guess the point is, with that John Mayer article about the television show that I saw that ABC was doing, there was another article about a guy that I've seen more times than anybody else. And that's Eric Clapton. Okay. I've seen Eric Clapton five times. All right. Now I don't go to a lot of concerts like you know, Big Head Todd, I've not seen like 25 times or whatever. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. Because when I go and because of the kind of music that I like, the people that I like to see are always expensive mm-hmm. and they don't tour a whole lot. Yeah. Like Clapton is not a guy that you can see every year. Now, you could have done that between 1969 and 1990. Yeah. Probably could have seen Clapton every year, but that's not something you can see anymore. But I read an article that said Clapton had released or made a statement and said that he has a a nerve disease right now that makes it very difficult for him to play guitar. Ooh, that sucks. It it was very sad. And so I called my wife and I said, you know what, that's a sign. Because he's touring. Mm -hmm. I'll pay whatever to go see that. Because there's a chance that you'll never see it again, A. And there's a catalog there. Yeah. I don't want to see John Mayer play anything really off of Room for Squares. 
why Georgia's cool. Yeah. You know, I'm not running through the halls of the high school and neon. You're not going to scream on the top of your lungs. Right. Like, I don't. I want to see all the, like, the stuff that I like. Yeah. You want John Mayer Trio. Yeah, but he doesn't have a catalog to where he can do that sort of thing. I mean, we're talking about a dude with, you know, eight, ten albums or whatever. Yeah. And Clapton's been, Clapton was with Cream, mm-hmm. John May on the Blues Breakers, Derek and the Dominoes. Mm-hmm. Blind Faith. I mean, you just go on and on sure. and on. So, I asked BJ for the Power Five. The Power Five. Uh, so, here's what we're doing. What are the top five artists that, alive or dead, are your Power Five? You would go see, right now, These drop of a hat, you're going to go see them. Either they're alive or they're dead. These are your top five. Second mortgage, whatever. Like, yeah. money's not an option. Yeah, it, yeah, you get to do it no matter what. You want, you want to go first? You want me to do it? You go first. I went okay. first last week. All right. So mine's in no real particular order. Uh, some of these I could do and actually make it happen. Some of them I cannot. I'm going to say Led Zeppelin. I think because the allure of Led Zeppelin, I don't remember the last time they toured. I never saw them tour. I know they're never going to get back together again. And part of that mystique is why I would like to see them. Would it be as good as I as it could have been? Absolutely not. Robert Plant just can't do that anymore. But Jimmy Page can still do what Jimmy Page does. Uh, John Bonham still can't drum the way he used to, uh, probably because he's dead. Uh, but his son uh, can. In that who in that who drummed for them last time? Yes. And then John Paul Jones can still do what he does. So just to be able to say that I saw Zeppelin, I'm gonna have to put him on this list. One of the things on here too is one of my biggest regrets of not seeing this band. And I still think there's a chance that it can happen. And that's R.E.M. I'm a Georgia kid. I grew up in uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, in, in you know, the suburb of Atlanta. Uh, I started radio in uh, the mid-90s in Athens, Georgia, the home of R.E.M. There would be occasions where I would go into work on a Wednesday and someone would say, did you see R.E.M. last night? I'm like, what do you mean did I see R.E.M. last night? Yo, uh, the 40 watts uh, where it said, um, you know, folding doors. That was REM. They just didn't advertise it. They were they played under the name Folding Doors or whatever the name happened to be. It was REM last night. There was 80 people there. Wow. And they were just trying out new material or they were just doing a surprise show because they all happened to be in town. That's so cool. And that happened a handful of times. And I, I, I was like, oh, I got to see him at some point. It, if you're a fan of alternative music and, you know, I'm an 80s and 90s kid, then that's one of the best ones. So I think at some point they're going to announce one show for whatever, and I'm going to try to make it a point to be at that show. I'm sure it'll be in Atlanta or somewhere near there. Beastie Boys. Never can happen. Never got to see them. But I want, like, the 90s Beastie Boys. I want. I don't necessarily want... I want them to play Girls, and I want them to play some stuff off Paul's Boutique, and I want some of the stuff off License to Ill. Give me Check Your Head. You want Intergalactic and everything prior. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. There's a hot sauce committee. There's a few things in there I would allow in. But as a whole, just give me the highlights of why I love the Beastie Boys. Heck, just go play Paul's Boutique. That'd be incredible. I I might not need anything else. Uh, And then uh, one one band that I have seen before, but I didn't get to see him as a headliner. I got to see him as a co-headliner. And I missed the first couple of songs because I was breaking down a radio remote. And that is the Foo Fighters. Hmm. Uh, it was the, it was a Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters were doing a co-headlining tour, and I really enjoyed what I got to see. I did get to interview Dave Grohl before the show, so I did get to meet Dave and and cross. You haven't seen the Foo Fighters? No, I did. 
but I didn't get to see the whole show. I, if they played for an hour, I saw 45 minutes of what it. What year was that? This would have been either 2000, 2001. Dave, oh. Dave had short hair. Oh, so this is well. Like, yeah. what, what's the double album with the buffalo on the front? Oh, uh, no, I can't remember the name. I'm terrible with that's those. That's times like these, the album, yeah. like all that stuff. Yeah, so Best of You and all that had not, as far as I can remember, to knock them out. You got Monkey Wrench and you, you've got some of those things. And it was really solid. But now with the Foo Fighters, and luckily, you know, we can go see them. They do like a three-hour set. Yep. Or longer. And they're doing all kinds of crazy junk. And it's awesome. So I will make that happen. They're a top five band for me. And this, and I usually don't have an order to this, but I do have a real number one. Okay. And I, I, have, a, I have a hunch this person will be on your list. Okay. Do you, do you want to take a stab at who you think it is? It's a single individual. It's Jimi Hendrix. No, actually, not Jimi Hendrix. Who is it? Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, SRV. So Stevie Ray Vaughan, I was super late to the Stevie Ray Vaughan game. I didn't find Stevie Ray Vaughan. Like, I knew, like, uh, you know, uh, Cold Shot. Isn't that the name? Yeah, Cold yeah. Shot. Because, because of Pride and Joy. Yeah, and the, the hits on the radio. He had, like, three or four. Pride, yeah, and... and uh, Texas Flood. Maybe. Yeah, but even then, I didn't know that. But in 96, someone introduced me to one of his songs or like one of his albums or whatever. And I was like, this is amazing. It was probably Texas Flood. It was, that was probably I think the it was. Album. Uh, then uh, then I also, uh, then I found Couldn't Stand the Weather had uh, 10 Pin Alley on it. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Like, And uh, because of uh, Voodoo Child, Slight Return, and uh, Little Wing, those versions were so amazing that I was, oh, that. This is oh, this guy's amazing. Sure, and I couldn't do any of it on the guitar because I do play, but I'm a chord guy. Nobody can do any of that stuff. I on know, the guitar, but so. some people can get close to it. Right. Heck, John, you mentioned John Mayer. Mayer gets as close to SRV as anybody I've ever. Because I, uh, you know, because I saw John back in the '90s, and you know, in small clubs, and you could just yell out a song. You play play Lenny, and he'd play Lenny. You'd play you, you whatever you wanted. He could make that happen up there. And so SRV would be my number one for the Power Five out of the top five artists alive or dead that I would go see that is incredible that's a really good list it's a little eclectic too so i, I wanted to try to throw it and, and that's i think if you ask me tomorrow some of it changes you know but right now that's what it is some of my favorite shows have been the experience aside from the music mm-hmm. quick story i saw doyle Bramble the second mm-hmm. who nobody probably knows who that is but he's a a guitar player and a, a he's got a rock band, a trio or whatever. But he had played with Clapton on a couple of tours with mm-hmm. Derek Trucks. Like I feel like if Eric Clapton asked you to come play in his band on the road, you and, just do it. Yeah, yeah, you know it's like one of those. I saw Bramwell at the Carolina Theater or something in in Greensboro, mm-hmm. and it was one of those shows where nobody knew who he was, and there were like a hundred people there, and they were all super enthusiast. Yeah, you know, like me, and it was the dark theater type thing, and I'm like eight feet away, and there was a couple of points in the show where he was like, "You guys want to hear something?" Yeah, and it's like we're sitting there talking to him, and you don't, you didn't need a microphone, yeah. you know, it's none of that. It was just like, uh, you know, hey, hey, play Greenlight Girl. Yeah. Hey, okay, no problem. So I'm about the experience. Yeah, I got you. Right. So on my list, I put Frank Sinatra. Okay. Now check this out. I'm talking about like seeing him at the Copacabana or something in like you. 1957. Yeah. Like that sort of deal. I gotcha. Like I may not know 
much of the music at but all. The ambiance in the oh, show. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And like that whole thing, and maybe Dean Martin shows up. And you know, like it's, Sammy comes out. Yeah. Got one eye on you, one eye on the song. That's what I'm saying. Because you know who's at that? You know who's at those concerts? Like Steve McQueen. Yes. Yeah, Paul Newman's there. Like that's cool to me. Yeah. Uh, I and I actually scratched Zeppelin. Okay. For Sinatra. Okay. Here's why. Uh, I, I just thought the ambiance and everything you were saying was kind of cool with the experience. But Led Zeppelin's first two albums, so Zeppelin 1 and Zeppelin 2, aren't my favorites anymore. But when I was a kid, they were. Yeah. Because it was straight ahead, get slapped in the face with rock and roll sure. like you'd never heard it before. Yeah. Until I got a little bit older and realized that most of that stuff was either covers or very poor ripoffs of blues songs that have been around 15 years prior. Right. So... Also on my list are three people, and I'll take any of them because it's all in the same vein. Lightning Hopkins, Alan Wolf, or Muddy Waters. Okay. To see any of those people, to me, you know, you got to think also, too, because of segregation. They, those guys weren't even allowed to play the same concert circuits. Yeah. So they didn't get the massive amounts of exposure. So if I'm going back and seeing those dudes, it's probably like that Doyle Bramble thing. Right. And I'm seven feet away from Muddy Waters. Yeah. And in that case, it's like, are you kidding me? He's a mannish boy. Yeah, I saw Buddy Guy once and but, and really, really enjoyed that show. It was in a theater. And but my man uh, did something super cool. Uh, he's on this guy comes out, and this is uh, towards the end of his show. And this guy comes out next to him with like a big coil of uh, like guitar coil, like a, a guitar cable coil. Yeah, I guess this has been like ninety six, nineteen ninety six, and I guess before they really uh, mastered the wireless guitar. Uh, and so Buddy hits this chord. Wow. And like, does the slap stop or whatever? I get something like what's it called? It's a slap mute. But slap yes. mute. Slap mute. Like slap chop is uh, is the, the the kitchen utensil. You're gonna love our nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he does that, and when he when he does it, this guy goes, doo doo. He unplugs Buddy's cable, plugs in the new cable in the blink of an eye, like a NASCAR pit stop. Yeah. And then Buddy immediately doo 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 doo. Now he's got a new cord. So then he proceeds to go walk off the front of the stage, like there's stairs, and he goes down the aisle. He's going to the back of the theater. Now, I'm towards the back, and there's nobody on my row. It's just me and my buddy Alex. And so I walk over to the edge of the row. Here comes Buddy. He stops right in front of me because I'm the only person over here. And he's just playing right in front of me. And then he goes and he walks out into the lobby. And he goes, he play- no one can see him except for whoever's in the lobby. We're just in the theater. He's just way out Buddy there. walked out. And then he's playing, and then he comes back down, and then he walked up the other side of the aisle. And then to my buddy Alex, again, no one's on our row. He went to over there, and he played in front of Alex for a second, and then just turned right back around and, and went back out. So that's those like the the experience. And Buddy Guy's a legend, yeah. and, and you know I was supposed to see Buddy Guy the last time he came to our town, and I can tell you when that was. It was uh, three years ago. Oh, and uh, the show was three days away, and I I had to go. Watch my child be born. No, oh, well, you got to pick your battles. And missed out on Buddy Guy. Tell him to video that thing for you. <laughs> Number three uh, on this list here. Once again, like BJ's, uh, really in no particular order until you get to the top three here. And the, the third is Pink Floyd. I've seen you, re- you love them. I do, and I and I love David Gilmore. This is like a John Mayer thing for me. David Gilmore is the guy who I had posters of. On my wall as a in teenager. In bikinis, and it was super yes, of awkward. Course. Yeah. Holding that black Stratocaster. Uh, but I saw Roger Waters a year ago. I never got to see Pink Floyd uh, in 
any sense. I've I've come close to seeing Pink Floyd, but you talk about a ticket that was pricey. I bet. Yeah, and I could never at the time I couldn't scrap the money together. It may be different now. I have a job and can afford. Sure, things, yeah. But, uh, with Pink Floyd, uh, more guitar news this week. That the seeing Gilmore is probably never going to happen. He's selling 120 guitars. He's sending them to Christie's auction house. All the money's going to charity. How much uh, do you think one of those would cost? What one of his guitars? What just depends because he is a collector's collector. It has always been rumored that David Gilmore had this Fender Stratocaster with serial number one and the Fender Stratocaster with serial number two that he had acquired over the years. But the Black Strat. Which, if you're a Pink Floyd or a rock and roll fan, you may know that's the guitar that he used on Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, the Red Strat that he's played live when he wasn't playing the black one, the Martin 12 string he wrote Wish You Were Here on. I mean, all those guitars are going to auction for charity. And I would imagine that there's no way he's parting with those particular instruments and you know with any plans of touring in the near future yeah cool story about david gilmore's side story about how big of a collector he is a couple of years ago for his birthday his wife bought him the leather guitar strap that hendrix used at woodstock oh wow yeah i mean he's that kind of collector yeah so you were asking about the cost I'm, i mean we're looking at probably fifty thousand for the cheapest guitar twenty five thousand for the cheapest probably close and i'm guessing 25 won't touch it i mean i can show you stratocasters from that same time period that he's selling without celebrity provenance or whatever and they're 50 grand yeah so there's that uh number two the beatles we just actually oh man i forgot about that band the reason that the beatles aren't number one for me is because the beatles stopped touring in 66 uh, they couldn't hear themselves anymore. When they the Beatles played at Shea Stadium, they played through the PA. What they didn't have front of the house mixers. Yeah. The, the, the sound wasn't there yet. Yeah. And with all the people screaming and stuff, they couldn't hear themselves on stage anymore. Yeah. So they stopped touring and they decided to become the world's first basically studio only band. Yeah. And that's when we started getting Rubber Soul, Revolver, Abbey Road, Magical Mystery Tour, uh, all the good stuff, yeah. basically, Sgt. Peppers. So I would have liked to have seen the Beatles. I kind of feel bad now that I don't have the Beatles on my list. Like, I, I love me some Beatles, but... But hey, bro, you had uh, R.E.M. and the Beastie Boys <laughs> on there. I know. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, hey, uh, Paul McCartney, Mike D. You're uh, very, right. very similar. Uh, number one for me is Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I figured. Uh, you mentioned SRV. I'm, we, I'm surprised that Stevie's not on your list. Stevie Ray Vaughan's not on my list because Jimi Hendrix is there. And like John Mayer cites Stevie Ray Vaughan as his biggest influence, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan takes it back to Hendrix. I got you. And Stevie Ray Vaughan did everything that Hendrix was doing. Like, Stevie Ray Vaughan didn't do anything that was purely his own. Yeah. That Yes, there are some licks that are... You know, I'm not going to get super guitar he, nerd. He texasized them. He sure did, but there were things he did better than Hendrix on the instrument, but they were all born out of Jimi Hendrix. So yeah. if I could have seen Jimi Hendrix, even though I own everything live that's officially been released by the Hendrix Experience, yeah, I don't know if the shows are that great. I mean, once again, it comes back to sound in the '60s. Yeah. Because you got to you know look at what can happen today. You know how, how exciting would it be to see Nirvana today? I don't know if I'd go see. I mean, I, of course, at this point, I would see it just for nostalgia's sake. But you know, I don't know what Nirvana would be doing today. I don't know how long Kurt can go out and be, you know, Kurt Cobain. Do you have Quello? No, I have what? Quello. 
That sounds like a rapper. <laughs> no. Quello is uh, an app you can get on your smartphone or okay. any device or whatever, but yeah. it's an entire television service like Netflix or Amazon okay. Prime or whatever. Nothing but live concerts and music documentaries. Okay. I watched Nirvana play live. I've never seen a full live Nirvana show. I never have. I mean, I've heard like they, they did Muddy Banks of the Wishka uh, as, a, as an album. I had the, the album. Yeah, so I've heard that stuff. Well, just think about seeing that album. Yeah. It's not really that good. Yeah. It's poor. Yeah. Like, Lithium was, like, the worst. Like, I've seen it covered better by tribute bands. Yeah. Well, because uh, we've, we've had this conversation before. I saw Kings of Leon and, like, love their songs. It's one of the worst live shows I've ever seen because they don't do anything. The lead singer is C- Caleb. Is yeah. That, yeah. Just stands in front of the microphone plays guitar and sings and like never I don't know if he ever left the mic but did it did it sound like the album it did no it sounded really good that's the Nirvana problem yeah I mean it sounds awful oh and uh Nova Selleck yeah terrible bass player live he's just a weirdo yeah yeah he he had the bass like it was his it's knees strung super low yeah yeah and he looks like a lurch type figure yeah. and he was barefooted yeah. and all I could think now I'm I'm judging this retroactively sure. of course this yeah. was 25 years ago but all I can think anytime I ever see that dude is when he got hit in the face with that bass he threw uh, up in the yeah. air it's all I could ever see I'll give you that but some but I have a, a Pearl Jam uh, story to to kind of say. I guess any day anybody could be good or they could be bad. I've seen Pearl Jam probably six times. Okay. And they don't play anything small. And uh, I happened to see them in uh, Cincinnati. And they were playing uh, like one of the arena, uh, one of the stadiums there or sheds. And they come out and they play. They've not said anything yet. They're just playing songs and Eddie is singing. How long? Uh, well, half they, hour. Yeah, they played 30, probably 30 or 40 minutes in. And uh, finally, he's going to address the crowd. And I and all it was was uh, the who uh, uh, Cincinnati uh, tragedy. And I don't know what he said. I mean, there was the who concert that happened there. People died. And Pearl Jam loves the who. They were uh, trampled. Uh, yeah. So out of the six shows or so that I've seen, they've probably done five Who cover songs at these. They love these guys. And then they played a Who cover tune. And then at the end of it, he went, thank you. That's the only words he said in the entire show. That's fantastic because all he does is talk now. Well, <laughs> so that was it. Uh, so I know that Yellow Leadbetter is the is the last. The, the, they're in the encore now. Yellow Leadbetter is the last song. They start it. I told my wife, hey, let's just go ahead and bounce. We can hear it the whole way. We get to the parking lot, get to the car, and then boom, boom, boom. Thank you. Good night. And then I'm unlocking my doors, and we're the fifth car out, and we don't have to be in traffic or anything. Then I go see them again. I guess the next tour, I'm seeing them in Atlanta this time. And Eddie Vedder is a chatty Kathy, but not in a bad way. He's having fun with the audience. He's lively. Uh, he did so, the, um, I guess the Beastie Boys had been in town or something was going on. And he had made some joke about, um, you know, the Beastie Boys. And then someone said something. It's like, oh, the Yeasty Girls. <laughs> and uh, and they do some sort of boom, some little fun little Beastie Boys jam thing. Uh, and they just had fun. Loved that show. Musically, I love the Cincinnati show. But as, as an exciting show, it was not one. It would not make the list. But the very next show I saw, 
I would put it up there as one of the best Pearl Jam shows that I've seen. So it really could be any given Sunday. You remember when they used to, when was this, like 2000, 99, 2000, but they did that deal where they would release their own bootlegs. Oh, yeah. You could almost get it within days after the show. And I had tons of those. Every show. Like I had, uh, if I saw them in Greensboro, I bought the Greensboro, obviously, yeah. but they put out a couple that they didn't see at all. Okay. And, I, and they would be like triple albums, you yeah. know, because they're going up there and playing four hours. Sure. And they'd have, you know, Crazy Mary and these songs they're not doing oh, anywhere else. I love that song. Can we do, we got to do uh, a podcast where we just go music. Oh, we can do that. That's the beauty of uh, the basement is uh, we can do whatever we want. I had fun today. Yeah, well, it was good. So now hopefully we've turned some people on to stuff. Uh, Google some, some candidates for the new Bruce Wayne. Now you've got maybe some new people to go check out and Google for uh, music. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll dive deep, super deep into a music thing. Because here's the thing about, because we haven't talked about this on the show, you know, Adam and I are both radio people. And, you know, I also do, uh, you know, television news, but I've done radio for 20 some odd years and, and had the opportunity to meet and talk and 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 be with some really cool people you know i I name dropped earlier got to interview dave grohl so we've got some fun cool music stuff that that's uh you know as much as we love comics we love music just as much if not more in in some capacity so i might have to just break out just some cool uh just stories and i will say i i want to try to work on uh if we could get and it's going to be an impossible but we can try I feel like we should get John Mayer on the podcast. How amazing would that be? I'd be pretty right. Would you be nervous? No. No? No, because I treat this differently than I treat the radio show that I do. Yeah. And I'm going straight. Like, I, if I had John Mayer on the radio show that I do, I have to ask about the album and I sure. have to ask about the tour. But yeah. if I have John Mayer on the on the podcast here and, and we we had him on i can ask him about what's on your pedal board right now yeah where are you keeping that that middle tone knob yeah live these days yeah. and i can ask stuff that is not only interesting to me but the demographic that we believe would listen to the crap that you and i are talking about are probably wired like you and i yeah i'll give you that and i don't get to do a radio show for us yes your radio show is is catered to not necessarily someone that that is you which that's the beauty of radio you get to do that not at all yeah (laughs) and here's why i think there's a the off chance we could make it happen it was 20 years ago i'm pretty sure i'm right here that john mayer started off being john mayer i'm almost positive that it was you know somewhere in like the you know 1998 maybe 99 somewhere in there and i was his first interview in radio very first person he ever talked to on the radio. So I feel like if I could turn it into a full circle 20 years later angle, we might be able to make that happen. That would be pretty cool. So that's how, that's how we make it. It's not just some random interview. It's 20 years later. Did he have Clay with him? Nope. So he was done with Clay. They had parted ways. Clay Cook. Uh, I think, well, because here, here's where it was. He was at Berkeley. Yep. And Clay was at Berkeley. Okay. So yeah, he was done then because then he moved to Atlanta. Clay came with him. Okay, well, maybe Clay was doing some stuff with him, but he, uh, I, whenever I saw John, God, I'm trying to remember, I feel like I was just seeing John, and he wasn't doing much of a band thing. I think a lot, a handful of times it was acoustic and electric, and uh, if, if, if it was Clay, I wouldn't have known enough to even, 
like, oh, you know, like if I saw somebody else, I knew the lead singer, but I didn't necessarily know that guitar player, that bass player, that drummer. Clay Cook is with the Zach Brown band. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that he had done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so John had, had come in. So he's in Atlanta. He gets signed by um, this guy, Tom, uh, Tom Wages, who at the time was managing Jennifer Nettles, who is Sugarland, and uh, who I have a small obsession with, and, uh, and brought him in. And that was his new guy. And so, that's, and so when he brought him, it was just him. And he got to do some songs or whatever on a show that I was doing. And uh, they kind of went from there. Like, we'd see each other around town, and we'd chat, and, like, we knew each other. Like, we were acquaintances in, in that capacity. So I feel like there's a small pinky-toe chance that we might be able to swing something. Did you ever think that he would become... You never do. You know, you... you, you like People Magazine-type no, person? Yeah, you, know, you never do. I knew he was super talented and a phenomenal guitarist, and I really enjoyed his music. You know, and at the time, it was very, you know, kind of acoustic. It wasn't doing much of the electric stuff from an album perspective, the way he does now. Right. And, like, yeah, he's got a lot of potential. Like, when I saw Jennifer Nettles now, side note two, I was also her first interview in radio. When I saw her sing for the first time, I said, that is a gosh darn star. That is a voice that will do something, needs to do something. She had her own special on ABC. You know, like, you know, Sugarland has hosted stuff. She, like, she blew up. And that was one that I was like, that one deserves to be that. I've never met anybody that became, like, the pop, like some kind of pop idol, except for Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I would have never thought when I saw never, her never for the first time her. at 15 years old or something, like, man, one day you're going to be on TMZ like once, twice a week. Yeah. You know, like I would have never... One, she wasn't a great singer at that time either. She's gotten better. So if you just had talent alone at that time, never would have made it. With May or two? No, I mean, John can sing. He's a better... I feel like he's a better singer than Taylor Swift is. 100%. Yeah. I mean, John's got talent. They dated. Taylor Swift... What? Did they? You didn't know that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not up... Uh, I'm, again, I left my Tiger Beat magazine at home. She had a song about him. Oh, really? Dear John. Oh, okay. And I think he's got a one or two about her, too. Oh, interesting. Jennifer Aniston, Jessica Simpson. I knew those. Minka uh, Kelly. Uh, Katy Perry. Katy Perry. He's still in love with Katy Perry. I know. Well, maybe we can talk to him about it and, when we go. And Orlando Bloom's over there riding around with his stuff hanging out on a paddleboard with Katy Perry. Like, hey, what do you think of this, John? Boom. I'm, who, an, I'm an elf. Who would you rather be with, Orlando Bloom or John Mayer? I feel like you go John Mayer because he could at least serenade you. Orlando Bloom's got more money. No way. Has to. No way. Lord of the Rings, dude. Nope. No way. I, there's no, no, he's just an actor. Can we play games on the podcast on the next episode? All right, we can do that. Because yeah, I'm going to make a list of who's richer. Okay. I was about to celebrity net worth Orlando Bloom. Let's and, do it next week. Don't uh, look. Don't cheat. Okay, I'm not going to cheat. We'll do that next week on episode numero tres.